0: That's good. Merry Christmas, everyone, to each and every one of you here. Merry Christmas. Yes, welcome, welcome, everyone. Uh, Welcome to uh, those online. Welcome to family uh, in from out of town. And uh, as you come in today, you can see that I'm uh, partial to a nice glass of eggnog. And uh, it goes so perfectly with the telling of the Christmas story. See... I'm with Shelly on this one, (laughs) and some of you are laughing, but I'll fill others of you in. Uh, If you were here last night, Pastor Nick uh, talked about uh, eggnog, and he shared how he does not like it, which uh, obviously is the wrong take, sorry, but uh, (laughs) he shared that Shelly likes it, and he doesn't. But what I'd like to know, and and he had people raise their hand on one side of the fence, but what I'd like to know is whether or not your family is divided over this issue. (laughs) Show of hands, whose family is split? See, we're getting some hands here. Today's message is about peace, and I really hope there's no actual fighting in your family over eggnog, but I digress. If you don't like it, That's on you, that's your fault. As I said, it really is the perfect complement to sharing the Christmas story. Today we're going to hear from Luke. We're going to hear from Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story, the reason for our hope this season. Luke chapter 2. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor in Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and laying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth... And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherd. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. This is the Christmas story. Christ the Savior was born to make peace between God and man. In the bleak midwinter, there's hope today we'll consider how this hope brings peace. I'm going to give this to Pastor Nick because there's a 100% chance I'll spill it up here. <laughs> and so enjoy. Don't don't drink it during the message. All right. Christmas is a time that brings great joy, as you know, peace on earth and uh Christmas as you know is 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 a time to spend with family last night we heard from Pastor Nick about this hope in Jesus and as we reflect on the true meaning of Christmas we're reminded of the ultimate hope the coming of our savior and of course we find great joy in the time spent with family and friends and uh, it's my it's my pleasure today to share this this message that the god, that the angels said glory to god in the highest and peace among men with whom he's pleased. This is the reason families get together. My wife and I are enjoying our first Christmas as parents. And uh, for those of you who are tired of me pushing my son on you, I apologize, but little reindeer, yeah. It's these things that make Christmas memories so warm. But uh, things aren't always so perfect around Christmas either, are they? I would say that's a more real-life shot of my home right there. (laughs) I'd venture to guess that for some, Christmas is also a difficult season, maybe even this year. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe you think about those who are no longer with you. Maybe this is even the first Christmas without a loved one. No matter your circumstances this year, I hope you'll open your hearts and your minds to consider the reason for our hope, the reason for Christmas. It's this very hope of Christ that brings us peace with God. Won't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the hope of life that we have in you. God, I just ask that now in this time, your word would touch our hearts that the true meaning of Christmas would sink deep into us as we deal with family and, and all the things, all the craziness, maybe even hostility in our families. Lord, would you be our peace? Lord, we pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So our hope has come. The Christmas story begins with an actual point in history. It starts... In those days, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Luke tells us exactly when the the Savior came. Christmas isn't a fairy tale. Contrary to what you might hear, wherever Eric Wolf is, you know what I'm talking about. The Grinch is not real. Sorry, but it needs to be said. (laughs) The birth narrative places Jesus' birth in the days of Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus, also known as Octavian, was the first Roman emperor following the political overthrow of the Roman Republic by Julius Caesar. And so Augustus sent out a decree of all the Roman Empire. Totalitarianism had dawned in the world. The census itself is a great example of this totalitarianism, of this darkness of the time. By the way, can you imagine what it would be like to be told by the government that you have to go to your hometown to register for a census? You have to travel. Just by show of hands, who would have to go out of state? How about East Coast, West Coast? Any coasters? Yeah, there's a couple. Can you imagine going all that way, by foot no less? I myself am from Illinois, and if I had to go all that way to register for a census, I wouldn't be very happy about it. This is an example of how dark the times were. Had God abandoned his people, Israel? Politically, it it seemed to be the case. But it wasn't just political. The religious scene of the day was polytheistic and immoral. The true God of Israel seemed to be a distant memory, not of years past. But if centuries passed, it had been over 400 years since the last canonical Old Testament prophet had written. And I have to ask, as we think about the darkness of the world, is it so different today? The social scene of the time was treacherous and brutal, but today, we think about what happened at the mall the other day. senseless violence. The the, the death of a 19-year-old is just awful. Just awful. I want to share with you a snippet from Pastor Kevin's Christmas letter because I think this paints the the reality, the picture uh, of what our day looks like. It's an accurate and sobering reminder that our day isn't so different from Mary and Joseph's day. Hear what Pastor Kevin says in his letter. He says, People need hope now more than ever. Our society is fractured and hopelessness suffocates the joy that we were intended to have. Hope is not just some elusive impossibility, it can be our reality. We can hope for physical things such as a good job, enough money, or a nice home. But there's a deeper longing inside that external things can't satisfy. We might notice that desire is a hope for happiness, love, and peace. But those virtues do not come just because we long for them. Hear this part. Hope comes from outside yourself. In fact, the definition of hope is something you look forward to but don't yet have. At the same time, it's a confidence in something that is possible. That possibility, that confidence and anticipation, that source of our hope is Jesus, because he can make it possible. We wish you a Merry Christmas isn't a wish or a desire, is a wish or a desire for you to have Jesus. Hoping that you are filled with love and peace is a prayer that Jesus may fill you with himself. He is the one that can confidently, realistically, be your hope. He is a hope you can trust. And so, our hope comes from outside of ourselves. Our hope has come. And she gave birth, the text says, to this child. Our hope came in the form of this child. And and maybe we gloss over this statement, and she gave birth. Maybe we just breeze through that as if it's assumed. But the significance of these words should blow our mind. The God of all eternity has come in the form of this helpless child, this crying infant. It blows my mind that the God of all eternity, creator of all things, came in such a way to redeem mankind. Emmanuel, God with us, the savior of the world, has come, just as the angels declared that day. Our hope has come. But we don't always feel it, do we? We don't. I don't. I imagine many of you don't. That line from Pastor Kevin's letter, people need hope now more than ever, really struck me as I read it the first time. Maybe that's you today. Maybe that's you online today. Wherever you are, maybe you need hope today. Here's some numbers that speak to the reality of the fallen world which we live in. The National Institute of Mental Health reports that an estimated 21 million adults in the United States had at least one major depressive episode. This number represents 8.4% of all U.S. adults Furthermore, 4.9% of adults aged 18 and older in the United States had serious thoughts about suicide in 2020. That's about 12.2 million people. Seasonal affective disorder. It's a real thing. And we deal with it in cold Minnesota. Now listen, I'm not a doctor, and I'm not pretending to be a doctor. Hear me clearly. Doctors and medicines are, doctors and medicine are things that God has given to us. If you need help, please, please get help. I don't mean to suggest that you won't struggle with these things if you have uh, Jesus in your life. But if you need help, please don't hesitate to do so. But what I'm here to proclaim to you today is the ultimate hope that we have In Christ, in this child that we read about in the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, we have this ultimate hope. I don't mean to be down. It's Christmas. The hope is a good thing. We live in this world of hopelessness. Look to the Savior and find hope. He is our ultimate hope, and our hope has come. Why is he our hope? Because he brings us peace with God. Not only has our hope come, but He also brings peace. Peace on earth, the angels declare. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth among men with whom God is pleased. Peace on earth. What a noble thought. We hear a lot about peace during Christmas and things of that nature. Love, joy, peace. We hear these things during Christmas time, don't we? It's good to get along with others and and be free from disturbance and hostility and and family and coworkers and life and all of our social relationships. But the world's idea of peace is very different. It's very different than the peace that we have in Christ. I'll be honest, I see a lot of things in culture that kind of drive me nuts when talking about peace. Uh, (laughs) especially the sentimental Christmas movies. My wife and her sisters are big fans of the Hallmark's. I'm sorry. Look, I just I can't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Paul's laughing. It's the same movie every time. <laughs> I'm going to get on my soapbox here. It some career oriented Recently single woman returns to her small town at Christmas time for some purpose to magically fall in love with some guy. Then you get left with all the warm and fuzzies and nice thoughts about peace and love and gag me. (laughs) If you're into the Hallmarks, please don't be offended. More power to you. Just... Just keep me out of it, please. (laughs) The true meaning of Christmas is the hope Christ brings and the peace he brings. The world's idea of peace says, let's all just get along and we'll be fine and someday we'll reach some nice, happy utopia where we can all coexist. The world says differences in belief don't matter as long as you accept the belief that all beliefs are valid. But see, the peace that Jesus brings is unique because it's tied to a specific hope. And that hope is in Christ alone. And so he brings us peace. Look around you. Do you see peace on earth? (laughs) I've already given you some of the hard, heavy numbers, but do you really see peace on earth? If so, where? Hostility and hatred has been on the earth for centuries, really ever since the fall. The first family had murder in it. Look at Caesar Augustus's day. Look at, look at the day of the text. Rome was trying universalist ideas of peace. They accepted all religions, and yet... Has there ever been a more brutal culture than Imperial Rome? We know how they treated the early Christians by AD 100. Look at the politics of our day. Whether your news of choice is Fox News or CNN, (laughs) do you really get the impression that we're moving towards peace? If you've ever been on Twitter, you know what I'm talking about, too. The problem is that man is first and foremost not at peace with God. This is where the world misses the mark. Scripture says that the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. It's unable to do so. Throughout all history, since the fall, God is the one who has worked to repair the relationship between man and himself, which brings us Back to the Christmas story. The message today God took the initiative to make peace. How did he do it? He sent his son. The multitude of the heavenly host proclaims peace on earth with whom God is pleased. We celebrate Christmas because Christmas is uh, the time when God has, had extended the olive branch, so to speak. Jesus, our hope, brings peace. But how exactly has he done this? Well, Colossians 1 tells us very, very plainly how that happened. It says, For in him, that's Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile all things, whether on earth or in heaven, hear this part, making peace by the blood of his cross. You see, he was born to die. But not only to die, to rise again in victory over sin, death, and the grave. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in the body of the flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in him if you continue in faith, stable and steadfast, and not shifting from the hope of the gospel, the hope of the good news. The same good news that the angels proclaimed on that day. Peace on earth with whom he is pleased, they said. So we need to ask the question, with whom is he pleased? He's pleased by those who receive him in faith. Not of works, but what the Savior has done. Faith in him. Those who cling to the hope of this promise Forgiveness of sins, everlasting life, peace with God for all eternity, right relationship with him. You see, Jesus alone is the key, the key to fellowship with right relationship with God. We know these words well from O Come, Emmanuel. They strike me every year. O come, thou key of David, come, and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high and close the path to misery. Rejoice! Rejoice! Emmanuel, God with us! In a very real way, friends, peace has come on earth because Jesus himself came to the earth. The peace he brings is the peace of himself. He himself is our peace. This is our final point today. Our hope is himself peace. He's the only true peace on earth. The world might think there's peace apart from him, but the reality is he is peace. Hear Ephesians chapter 2. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers of the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the hostility, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments, expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. You see, he made peace between us and God by his work on the cross He himself is our peace. There's one God and there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who was born born on Christmas Day, just as the angels declared, born for you a Savior. This is who he is. He's a Savior. See this thing the shepherds said. It's not just for the shepherds. It's for all of us. Now I want to briefly address any uh, maybe people who are here today who would maybe be identified as Christmas and Easter Christians. If that's you, I'm coming to you very graciously here. I'm trying to, to come gently. Welcome, first of all. Know that I'm not trying to single anyone out. But see the reality of the Christian life isn't reserved just for two days a year. This peace that we have with God is for every day, all year long, every year of our lives. It's not about going to church on on the holidays. It's not about checking the boxes. But the reality is, it's about the good news of the Savior. If you're one who comes only twice a year, I, I just want to point you to the peace that God has extended to you, his love for you. It's not a matter of religion or or, or showing up the proper amount, but it's about coming to see this thing, to hear this good news, just as the shepherds proclaimed on Easter Day. No matter who you are, you need to know the truth about what has been told this child. Come hear the truth that Christ was born to one day die and rise again for you. I want to close with a snippet from a uh, Christmas letter that I intended to write to you, Emmaus. It's been a busy year with a newborn and haven't had the chance to mail it out. So I figured now is as good a time as ever to share my Christmas letter with you in closing Dear Emmaus, Merry Christmas. It's my prayer for you that this year you'll be filled with the goodness of God and the hope of Christ. It's hard to believe how fast the time with you has gone and is going. Rachel, Brooks, and I have enjoyed our time with you. And I think of many individuals specifically in this way. I suppose some of you maybe even know who you are. As I look forward to the pastoral call process in the months to come, I'm thankful for the Savior who continues to be faithful. I'm thankful for this time and this year with you. I hope that your Christmas is a restful time in the peace of Christ. Through all the turbulence of life, he is sure and he is strong. His grace is enough for you. God bless you. Merry Christmas.